Progressive Rugby League Well, 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 what do we have here? The NRL is on its way back. The new normal is about to look just a bit more like the old normal. And for that, you won't hear us complaining much. And in the spirit of the old being new again, what better time to welcome back a treasured piece of the Progressive Rugby League furniture, the ornament on the PRL mantelpiece, the man that proves you can't spell supercalifragilisticexpialidocious without Al twice, and the guy that puts the big in unambiguously enthusiastic... It's, of course, none other than my good friend, Reginald Schneegelman. No, I'm kidding, of course. It's Big Al. How are you, mate? I'm fantastic. Wow, what an intro. And no, that's right. I'm not dead. I'm still here. I've uh, stuck my my nose out of my hole in the ground. I've sniffed the air. I can smell rugby league just around the corner. Something in the wind. What does rugby league smell like, Big? It smells like uh, excitement, hope, anticipation, but if you could put it in one word, Denkarub, really. But it's it's all around. I can feel it. It's brought me out, and I'm ready to go. Bring it on. It has been a while since we've spoken. We've had this mind-bending conversation off here many times about the nature of time. Does it fly? Does it crawl? Let me just say that it seems like both a lifetime and a second ago that we recorded our last episode together way back in March. But either way, it's good to chat again. Look, Big Al, let's get cracking, shall we? I want to hear... How are you feeling about the return of the NRL? What have you learned about yourself over the last couple of months? <laughs> How did you cope? How do I feel about the return of the NRL? Well, I mean, obviously, me, like everybody else, I am so unbelievably excited. Oh. And not just because I miss the game like everybody else does and I miss following or cheering my team when it does well and bemoaning my team when uh, they don't do so well. But without sounding too one-dimensional, like I really miss it giving my life structure Mm. And I know that probably sounds like the only thing going on in my life is the NRL. And in certain aspects, that might be a little bit true. But it's something that's outside of my working from home life that is regular and is a shared experience Mm -hmm. and is following a set pattern. And there's just so many of those things that aren't happening now that just to have anything and the fact that it's the thing that I probably love the most in the whole world Mm. is really, really exciting. And it's a welcome change from what's going on. And I I can't wait. It goes beyond my my love of the game. And it's just for like my craving for normalcy and, you know, regular life and all that sort of stuff. And it's not coming back the same way. Again, no crowds and all that sort of stuff, yeah. but still, it's back in a three-fifths kind of way, and that'll do me. How did you cope? At first, I'll be quite honest, I don't think I coped particularly well, and that's I, I'm not meaning to say like I had a, a really tough time and I was down and out or anything, but I just don't really think I knew how to live properly. You've lived many off-seasons in the past. What's the difference this time around, I wonder? Well, this was like, the off-season coincides with the start of summer and like leads into the silly season and all that sort of stuff, sure. so it's a really different time of year like i'm used to the months of you know mid-october to end of feb really being football free and that's fine i've, I've built a little nest for myself in those months for doing other non-football related things and that's fine yeah. but for it to come slap bang in the middle of april hello that is like <laughs> peak football and then you know daylight savings ends and it gets dark at five like on the dot the world switches the lights off and it's all freezing cold now it's <laughs> raining and stuff and oh what am i supposed to do normally i could curl up and, and you know lose myself in a wonderful round of, of football but alas not not this year this probably yeah, should I mean, be the I, time I, where we where we do say i think it's like obligatory 
we say, and we're very lucky, of course. Oh, of course. It was just at the beginning, I found it really tough, like an odd transition. Like everybody else, like I miss I miss being around co-workers and I miss the camaraderie that, you know, that team environment can like generate and all that sort of stuff. But I got by and, you know, you learn to dedicate yourself to it, to other things and did a lot of walking. To walk is again, to be human. Sort of I've always stuff. said that. Yeah, no, I, love, I love walking. But what I found odd, another sort of aspect to it that was hard to transition to, I walk often, I walk all the time, mm. but I'd always walk with purpose. Yep. So it's like I'm walking to get to work or yep. to walk home from work or to go to the gym or to walk here or to, to walk here to do a thing. Yep. And with all the things, your options or what you're allowed to do is limited, mm. I was sort of just myself walking without purpose. Like, well, mm. I guess I go walk around the streets for 90 minutes now. <laughs> and it was just... And that itself was a little bit different. But, I mean, this isn't the uh, Big Al podcast. This is the Progressive Rugby League podcast. So if you bring it back to football, yeah, obviously, I missed it. I missed it terribly. I still miss it terribly, and I just can't wait. I want more, and I want it all the time. (laughs) Well, I think it missed you too, to be fair. Look, Big Al, (laughs) for me, if COVID-19 taught me anything, it taught me patience. I guess I didn't realize it, but patience is a skill, and it's one that's not easy to master. Sometimes you, you just have to wait for stuff like rugby league and the thing about waiting is often you have no choice in the matter you have to wait whether you have patience or not having a bit of patience just makes the waiting that bit more bearable but how do you get patience big al i struggle with patience at times i hate queuing for example i have no patience for queuing when we're out at one of those noodle markets or a food festival i won't choose food based on cuisine no no i'll choose food based on the length of queue short queue congratulations you've got my business of course that sometimes cost me in the guts, but at least I wasn't queuing like a sucker, Big Al. Now, this rugby league hiatus was a test for little old me because come March, like you sort of alluded to, I'd done my budgeted waiting for rugby league action for the year. I hadn't budgeted for more waiting until November. And at first, like most of us, I'm sure I struggled, lots of moaning. And I think in that situation, you lose that bit of structure, like you say, and certainty, and that breeds a bit of anxiety. Pre-COVID, your weekends were full of plans and structure, kind of like a rugby league player. You had a tight schedule, a run in the morning, an unsatisfactory brunch at a tedious cafe, squash after lunch, drinks after squash, home in time for a Q-time dinner with a GF, and then to sneak in the final game of Super Saturday. Busy, busy, busy. Then comes lockdown, and at first, you're spending the first half of Saturday with that sneaking suspicion it's actually a Friday masquerading as a Saturday, and that you might have to slip back into your dining room table for a couple of hours of faux work from home. But, you know, then you get into a groove and with all your plans now taken away from you, you actually get the chance to practice patience and practice living with uncertainty. I mean, the COVID news cycle actually was good for teaching patience. We're going to take this action now and we won't know for three or four weeks if it's worked or not. Three or four weeks. But I want to know now. We're so used to getting answers immediately, but that's not easy with an unfolding pandemic. And I guess that's relevant for we rugby league fans. Now, Peter Vlandis is at the forefront of most rugby league people's minds here in Australia. He is receiving all the attention, a relentless stream of man love from men, many of whom I didn't think were capable of love. But hey, the NRL is coming back first after all. But equally, he's the subject of deep suspicion from many too. But amidst this period of uncertainty for the economy and absolute uncertainty of what the world of professional sport will look like in five months, let alone five years, how can we judge right now? We want to know if he's great or hopeless right now, but maybe we actually won't know for a couple of years when we can look back at whatever the broadcast deal becomes in some clear light. Can we handle waiting that long to form an opinion? I'm guessing not, because that's no fun. 
but maybe maybe we should. Now, really, I think what people mostly are judging at the moment is his style. They're either deeply attracted to it or repulsed by it. And that's not unusual, often in the day-to-day of political coverage, for example. People tend to judge style. How did he or she perform? Did they look presidential or prime ministerial? How did they handle that press conference or question time? In the 24-7 media age, this is normal. The substance can often get sidelined by the style, and it's often because judging substance is not that easy. It sometimes takes time to know, to make a judgment. Style can be judged on the spot. For instance, I love that dressing gown you're wearing right now, Big Al. I've made that judgment right now. Oh, God, I forgot to turn my camera off. Oh, this is a Zoom call 101 mistake. I'm so sorry. Switching it off now. Progressive Rugby League. Perhaps we should talk a little bit about Rugby League, the actual game. You, of course, are a Mad West Tigers fan. How do you see the Tigers going this year? I've never heard you predict anything less than a finals appearance. Are you going to keep that proud record intact? Uh, I don't know. No, I I don't think so. One thing I've learned recently, and this is not because of any events that have happened, but uh, a limestone cliff is forged by what millions of years of a saltwater wave hitting it and washing it away. And I think that's in terms of my desire for the Tigers to reach the finals. I am the limestone cliff, but reality is the million years of saltwater waves hitting me and grounding me down. And I realise that they're probably not going to make the finals ever. Um, So, (laughs) Can I just get this straight? So you're the limestone cliff? Yeah, I'm a cliff. cliff. The the rock is my belief that the Tigers will make the finals and have a really excellent year. And the ocean Mm. uh, and father time is reality, and that is them consistently missing the finals year after year. So eventually it's ground down my rock of belief into a cliff of nothingness. A marked cliff service, shall we say. No, I don't think they'll make the finals for a couple of reasons. You know, they probably don't have... That time I admitted it. They don't have the best roster. It's, you know, (laughs) they just... They're missing a couple of key positions. I do really think that the injection of Harry Grant on that loan swap from Melbourne is really interesting, and that Mm. might give him a bit of spark in the dummy half position. But they probably just don't have the all-round depth, and it's, it's a short season, right? So... As soon as you drop a couple, like dropping a couple is going to mean more and more as the season goes on. So, I mean, there are teams that are undefeated. There are teams that have not won any matches. The Tigers in there, in true Tigers fashion, they're about middle of the table there. So, um, <laughs> lost one and won one. But, but then you've got, know, you've got just, Adam Dewey, obviously Benji's still playing very well. There are lots of good signs. Yeah, I, I often have this conversation with myself every year. Like, lots of good signs, anything can happen, fairy tales do come true. But, I mean, like, if you take 2005 out of the picture, fairy tales never come true. And they haven't ever come true apart from that one year when it shouldn't have happened anyway. I hate to say that, but it was an accident. A really beautiful, wonderful accident. Best accident of my life. Yeah. But it was an accident nonetheless. So whilst I hope they do, I don't really think they will. Okay, I'm hoping. I'm actually hoping for a ninth place because... If it happens this year, it'll, it will be hilarious. And I can take satisfaction in that. Rugby league is a funny game. Okay, <laughs> thanks for that, Cliff. Oh, look, can I still call you Al? <laughs> You're a funny man, Jono. Thank you. Uh, call me whatever you want. Just don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> Just don't call me Shirley. Now, <laughs> I'm a Parramatta fan. People actually don't know this who listen to the show. Regular listeners of the show don't realize I'm a Parramatta fan, but... I am a Parramatta fan, and I thought maybe I should give something about the Parramatta Eels and their chances for 2020, because a lot of people think they are in with a great shot. Now, for me, obviously, there's a lot of excitement and expectation for Parramatta, but any Parramatta fan will understandably be very wary of such feelings. Since the turn of the century, Parramatta have rarely put two good seasons together consecutively, and expectation has not been our friend. So I'm curbing my enthusiasm until, you know, at least 
mid-October. But to be brutally honest, whether they go well or otherwise, as long as they're playing entertaining rugby league football, you won't hear me complaining much. So, they're my thoughts. Great. Wonderful. Yeah, thank you. Now, it's great to have the NRL back, but obviously we're thinking of our friends in the Northern Hemisphere, Big Al, who are at least a couple of months away from rugby league action. And for we championship fans, well, it might be 2021 before we see that competition back up and running. We can only wait and see. But I tell you what, Big Al, it would be a big shame if the championship was canned for the year. Of course, our mates at Toulouse Olympique were tracking nicely towards promotion. This was meant to be their year after years of progress and development and patience too as Toronto Wolfpack burst through the ranks. It would be especially cruel for them if the championship was cancelled for 2020. Of course, we spoke to Toulouse Olympic CEO Cedric Garcia in early April and at that time he was hopeful of getting back on the park and having a shot at promotion. But the latest news out there is that most championship clubs are not in favour of returning to action, which is obviously a problem. And even if they did return, would there be promotion and relegation to and from Super League? Cedric suggested in our chat that whether there was relegation from Super League or not, he was confident promotion would still be possible. But obviously that was about six weeks ago now. So who knows what's going to be the situation six weeks from now. That interview that you did with Cedric, I was listening to that through one of my meaningless walks around the streets for, you know, an arbitrary amount of time. Yeah. Feeling relatively, I was feeling relatively indifferent because it's like, well, guess I've got to walk outside around meaninglessly for a while because I've been inside all day. <laughs> but the, the hope that that interview gave to me at the time mm. Because, first of all, he's incredibly upbeat and positive and just saying, this situation is bad, but, you know, we've got all these positives, et cetera, et cetera. We're still doing really well. We're a relatively well-established business, so we'll, we'll get through this just fine. But then towards the end, when he was talking about things that might happen, and he said, maybe they're just going to promote two teams into the Super League, mm. I think I stopped dead in my tracks and, you know, looked to the sky and allowed myself to dream of a Super League that had Catalan, Toulouse, and Toronto in it. Yeah. And for a brief, brief moment, in reality, that was happening in my head. <laughs> well, a 14-team Super League makes a lot of sense to me, as it does to you, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> All right, time for a sting. Progressive Rugby League. Look. Ladies and gentlemen, Big Al and I have a bit of an announcement to make. Well, announcement makes it seem a bit grander than it needs to be. We've got an update to give you on the status of the show. Big Al, do you want to take this? Are you happy for me to go on with it? Oh, you go on. Okay. Well, the update is that for the foreseeable future, we won't be continuing on with our regular weekly podcasts that react to and comment on the weekly goings-on and happenings in the game. The Progressive Rugby League podcast will continue in the guise of an irregular interview-style pod similar to what we've been putting out over the last couple of months, but it does mean it's the end of an era somewhat. So we did want to acknowledge that, and I suppose mark the occasion a little and just to just to let you know, I guess. And I guess we wanted to explain ourselves to you, our wonderful listeners, who of course have been a massive part of the show through not only the mailbag segment, but also through your ongoing support and the enthusiasm with which many of you have shown towards the show. You've got what we we're trying to do, and got into the spirit. So obviously the least we can do is explain our thinking to you all. Now, late last season, we were talking about what to do with the show and we decided that we'd keep going business as usual as long as all of the following continued to ring true. One, that we were still enjoying it. B, that people were still listening. And three, 
that we weren't repeating ourselves. Well, we were definitely still enjoying it. I mean, last year, the show took us to Perpignan, Toulouse, and the back garden at Mike Rylance's house, for goodness sake. So, hard not to enjoy that. And yeah, people were still listening. Our road to niche was on track. We started as extremely niche, graduated to thoroughly niche, and at times were flirting with the heady heights of being a niche podcast. The third point about not wanting to repeat ourselves, well, that was a little less straightforward, but you know, we thought, bah, let's keep going. So we started again as usual in 2020 and all was feeling good, but I suppose this break enabled us to reconsider things again. I guess when you do a weekly podcast on Rugby League for a few years, you find the same things and the same themes keep coming up. And I guess at the end of the day, we thought now might be a good time to switch the way we do the show. We're thinking that doing the show in a different format will help us make the points we've been making, but in different ways. I mean, when you think back to our first ever show, I'm pretty sure we spoke about how we were pro-International Rugby League, we were on the side of the refs, we were proud of Rugby League's progressive chops and wanted to shout about that from the rooftops, that we thought Rugby League was positively hilarious and all that. And that's still the case today. I guess another big factor is, and as we just mentioned before, the Northern Hemisphere game is still months away from returning. And as our listeners would know, our show has evolved from being, you know, NRL-centric to barely mentioning the NRL some weeks. Obviously, the NRL is still a big part of the show, but the wider canvas helped us spread ourselves and helped to keep it fresh for us and hopefully you. So I guess that was another factor. But of course, like any half-decent mid-90s post-grunge rock band, we reserved the right to make a mediocre comeback in that guise at some point. And I can foresee circumstances where it would be very tempting, a Toulouse Olympic promotion to Super League, for example. So it's not necessarily a final goodbye to the quote-unquote rugby league current affairs format, but it is for now at the very least. So I guess that's how I see it. Like I said, the podcast will go on, but in a different form. Big Al, did you want to add anything there? Uh, yeah, I mean, when we did the tour of France mm. and England, we, we were sitting down and we were thinking, this is a great thing that we're doing. This is beyond our wildest dreams that we're actually doing this. Mm. You know, where do we think we're going to take the pod next year? Do we think we have the time and all that sort of stuff? And we were talking about, you know, if this was a 90s sitcom, what we're currently doing would probably be the final episode. Yeah. And I refer greatly to the Seinfeld finale where recurring characters from the whole series all met in one, you know, one big event. And that was sort of what we were doing. Like we were meeting up with like Mike Rylance, who we'd spoken about with the CEO of Toulouse Olympique, mm. Ian Easton and other, other members of the mailbag gang. Mm popping up and making an appearance, and it felt like that could have been a natural end to the show. And I think uh, had it not been for the promotion of Toronto, we mm. may have decided we'd be repeating ourselves yeah. um, earlier than we are. But the, the promotion of the Wolfpack sort of gave us a new thing to focus on. I thought, okay, this is a new thing that's happening. Yeah. There's still life in this. But, yeah, with those things no longer going on, Super League on pause, Championship uh, also on pause, and the NRL being the main source of news, we always – set out to make a rugby league podcast not an nrl podcast and yeah and uh, i, I, I think suppose are- the idea is we tried to make something maybe a little bit different not it's obviously not that different to anything else but obviously there's a, a thousand million nrl podcasts and there's plenty of options for people to listen to talk about the nrl so yeah i suppose we thought at the risk of repeating ourselves and just doing the same old thing we just thought we'd uh, wrap it up for now and we'll see what happens in the future but like i say the podcast will go on but i thought now might be as good a time as any to be a bit indulgent, a bit nostalgic about the last few years, Big Al. I'd love to know what have been your highlights uh, since we started this. Well, the obvious one is the European tour. That mm. was phenomenal. I cannot <laughs> believe we got to do that. And 
the cherry on top is there's an actual record of the thing. Like the, the yeah. audio scrapbook that you put together is like uh, a thing that I can show people, people that might, <laughs> people that I can corner at parties and say, hey, <laughs> have you heard of Toulouse Olympique? Do you know about the struggles of French Rugby League in World War Two? If you want proof, you know, here's and send them links to, to my wonderful audio scrapbook that I did with my good friend. John. that's the clear and obvious highlight. But if I can get a little bit sentimental, mm. take all the Rugby League out of it and all that sort of stuff. It's having a regular appointment do something that I genuinely had like loved mm. with two great friends, mm-hmm. um, starting out in with Slug and you, Jono, and with Slug obviously taking on more things and, and you know sort of fading out and becoming more of a recurring guest character rather than a mainstay. Mm. Having having a regular appointment with you to to do something that was heaps of fun and a bit different, but also just a reason to catch up and, and say good day and stuff was probably my biggest highlight. And mm. you know whether you want to share that with with the rest of the world, who knows? You might edit this bit out. Um, <laughs> But I really appreciate that, I guess, having an excuse to see you. Not that I need an excuse, but it just made it all the more enjoyable. So, Jono, thank you. Thank you so much. This podcast was 95% you and 5% me. (laughs) I just rocked up every day and, you know, vomited into a microphone. You actually did all the the behind-the-scenes work. And I think that probably, like, people probably already know that anyway, but I just want to go officially on the record. The heart and soul of the PRL, I will miss having a reason to see you every week. Oh, big well. Let me say, I'm, I'm feeling strange feelings right now. What, what is this salty discharge? Now, <laughs> while you remain part of the podcast, obviously, it will be mostly in an advisory role, an ideas-bouncing role, kind of like a, a coaching director. Those things always work out well, right? So, yeah, because you won't be in front of the PRL mic much in the near future, I would like to take this opportunity to, on behalf of our listeners, now, thank you for being you. You say 95% to 5%. That's rubbish. You brought the color. You brought the emotion, you brought the positivity and the laugh. So, Big Al, you know, thank you. You've taught me to lose the excessive cynicism. The more I've hung out with you, the more I've realized I've been way too far down towards the extreme end of the cynicism spectrum. So, yeah, it's good to keep a skeptical eye, healthy even, but equally you need to keep remembering that the vast majority of people are good people who are just trying to get by and that's what you have taught me. So, Big Al, thank you, mate. Now, on uh, onto my highlights. So obviously, putting together our audio scrapbook was an absolute highlight. Like you said, we had a crack at doing something a little different and it came off. We met loads of great people and it was just the time of our lives. Another general highlight, yeah, we generally record this on a Monday night, Sydney time, and genuinely for me, Mondays went from being a total drag, you know, the first day of the working week, all that, to one of my favourite days of the week, all because Monday night meant getting together with two great friends and I'll get to Slug in a sec, to talk about footy, get a bit creative, and have a bit of a laugh. And while it's mainly delusional, at first, despite the fact that you like have literally zero listeners when you start out, you feel like you're doing something substantial, even though, of course, it's anything but. But, you know, that's kind of beside the point. It was just a great feeling and still is. As I said before, the, the Parallel Mailbag segment was a great highlight for me to have people getting in touch and saying, hey, love the show. It was and still is a wow moment for me every single time. Never gets old. And I and we are just so appreciative of that kind of thing, you know. And related, you know, making friends in other parts of the rugby league world has been so great. You know, Australia, the UK, France, Canada, all because of this little podcast. You know, believe it or not, we're not naturally types to put ourselves out there. But this whole experience has shown me uh, the tangible benefits of, yeah, putting yourself out there a bit, I suppose. It's definitely worth it. And on that, we only got into this position really through our mate, the slug, 
And yes, we have to send out a huge thank you to PRL Original The Slug for getting this thing started for us, guiding us in the early days. And once we'd had the appropriate time with the training wheels, giving us one final push and proudly watching us as we pedaled madly into this crazy world all by ourselves. Which takes me to the final highlight I wanted to share. And it was in our season finale episode last year where Slug made a return guest appearance and shared what I thought was the most beautiful little poem. Here it is. Way back in the mists of two years ago, three friends agreed that there might be a show. In looking at something not many had seen, the progressive side of Rugby 13. (laughs) Jono, Big Al and someone called Slug got bitten by the old podcasting bug. From there, the friends did quickly agree on the PRL pillars, one, two and three. (laughs) They spoke of League Near and they spoke of League Far, of loot fixtures, PDRL and Belgrade Red Star. (laughs) All the great things about this funny old game and the number of listeners meant no risk of fame. (laughs) The slug left to go and get a real gig, but that did not stop Jono and Al, big. (laughs) Reflections, prog moms and sweet babies in strife and the psychological study that is this tiger's life. (laughs) They found friends along the way, like-minded souls, to help navigate past the unprogressive shoals, taking rugby league to where we know it should be, in rugby league we trust, and for God's sake, hold me. That is incredible. Thank you. I love that. It it meant a lot to me, as I'm sure it did you, Big Al. Yeah, heartfelt and uh, wonderful rhyming couplets as well. Ah, very funny. All right, Big Al. Um, like I said, feeling strange emotions, feeling strange thoughts, but I think it's time to call it. So, Big Al, thanks for the memories. You're obviously not disappearing to thin air, but I wanted to let the record show that I'll miss being your co-pilot on a weekly basis. So, let's sign off together once more with feelings. Of course, as I've said, the podcast continues, but in a different form. So until we meet again, Rugby League will be. See ya. And Big Al, take us home one more time. See you, folks. In Rugby League, we trust. Whoa. Beautifully put. Thank you very much, sir. <laughs> oh, my God. Amigos para siempre. That's pretty good. That's right, yeah.